You're listening to a special Night Terrace episode of Splendid Chaps, recorded live at the Penny Farthing Cafe in Northcote, Melbourne, on the 11th of March, 2014. Hello and welcome to a surprise edition of Spedded Chaps. Hooray, surprises! Surprise! I love surprises. It's such a surprise edition that Petra and David don't even know we're here. They're not even here with us. <laughs> I did leave a message for Petra. Oh, we are so sneaky. <laughs> uh, we're here to do a surprise edition. Look, mostly we're here to spam you about our new project, Night Terrace. Night Terrace! Have we said Night Terrace enough, John? Uh, is it seven times? There's some sort of rule, isn't there? I how? like it when we say it out loud, because then the pun is apparent. Because when you read it on the page, it's not It's not until you read it out loud, like most puns, that you go, oh, Night Terrors! I always oh. read it as Nigat Tarachi. Nigat Tarachi. <laughs> I do like mispronouncing words. It's like that cinema ad where he says, Fache! I saw the word strap hanger used in something the other day, but they didn't have a hyphen, as in someone who travels on a, on a bus or a train. Oh, hanging on to the strap. Yeah. Right. But because they didn't have a hyphen, I thought it was straffinger, and it took me ages to work out what they were trying to say. Anyway, we're here to talk about Night Terrace, but because we're here as well, again, in Penny Fountain Cafe, we thought we should at least talk about Doctor Who, because otherwise this is it just a waste of your time. It just to put an ad in our podcast, <laughs> yeah. Graham, frankly. So we are going to be discussing in this mini-episode the notion of home in Doctor Who. But before we do that, Ben, what's Night Terrace all about? Well, John, Night Terrace is a new eight-part science fiction comedy audio series that's being written and produced and indeed is starring some of the people behind Splendid Chaps. Well, in fact, we're all involved in it, aren't we? We are, we are. And Lee Zachariah, who's a kind of erstwhile chap, has also been brought in. An erstwhile chap. Yes, he is <laughs> very a erstwhile. He's a we, demi-chap. We like him quite a lot. Uh, but it follows the adventures of Anastasia Black, who used to save the world for the government, but now she just wants to retire quietly to the suburbs and have a nice, quiet life. Unfortunately for her, her house doesn't agree with this plan, and it mysteriously starts to travel through space and time. And Anastasia is accompanied by Eddie, a young university student who was selling... Well, it might not be young. I'm going to do it again. And Anastasia is accompanied by Eddie, a university student who was selling electricity plans door-to-door at the time the house took off. And he will be played by the fabulous Ben McKenzie. Hello! And they'll also be helped or hindered along their way by a mysterious figure known only as Sue, who will be played by the marvellous Petra Elliott. And Anastasia Black is being played by Jackie Woodburn, who... Also known as Susan from Neighbours, as, as you always like to say. I do John. like to call her that. I was thinking about this the other day that in some ways Night Terrace is a little bit like the Hartnell era if it was a comedy and starred Susan from Neighbours. <laughs> yes. Well, we certainly don't know exactly where it's going to go, do <laughs> That's we? That's pretty awesome, though, isn't it? I, mean, yeah. I, I, would, I would listen to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Imagine if you could start out again with Doctor <laughs> Who. Um, but it is a comedy, so obviously there'll be some, you know jokes and yeah and they travel so each episode they'll, they'll be traveling to another time and place uh they're trying to find their way home and they're gonna have lots of wacky hijinks and adventures hijinks along and the adventures. way there'll be guest stars it's, it's gonna be really Monsters, really great alien invasions i'm very excited about it and we're writing so john john is gonna be a head writer so you know we're in good hands because he wrote outland and a whole bunch of other stuff it's very funny and also being written by Ben McKenzie, yes. by the lovely Lee Zachariah from the Bazura Project, yes. and David Ashton, our sound guy, who also, back in the day, wrote comedy for Triple R and others. He will be writing one of the episodes as well, so we're very excited about it's that. It's very exciting. Yes, I'm very excited about my episodes. Uh, I have, Splendid Chats listeners, been doing a lot of research, as you might imagine, about the historical eras. We, get, we gave you writing. the hardest ones, didn't we? Really? Yeah, you did. I, but And you know what? I love it. I love it. I wouldn't have it any other way. 
Uh, I, I'm using all my contacts in the world of things like uh, paleontology and history and all mm-hmm. kinds of stuff. So um, I'm not giving you any more hints than that. And Petra's been part of the sort of writing room on this as well. She's not deliberately writing, but she's been part. Uh, and she, it's a fairly interesting. Petra's really good at, at sort of throwing out ideas for us to go, hmm, what can we do with that? Which has been really useful. Well, that's the thing I love most about it is that um, it's been so collaborative. We sort of all pitched our ideas. We picked the one that we liked the best, and then everyone just came in and made it better. Episode seven so exciting because it's like we all came in with sort of different ideas, and then they all somehow melded into this one amazing idea, yes. which is, is really cool. Oh yeah, that is going to be quite amazing. That's, yeah, that's yeah. Anyway, so we're very excited about it, obviously, and we are running a Kickstarter campaign to raise the money to pay for the production of the show. It's it's a bare bones budget. It's going to let us make the show, um, but we're hoping that who knows, we might even raise more than that, and you can get all kinds of rewards you can pre-order the series as a digital download for a little bit cheaper than we'll eventually sell it uh, also you can get physical rewards like you can get a special usb stick with the series on it or a set of cds or even john what's the one you're most excited about i'm most excited about the vinyl yes yeah, you can get a so, uh, so i want to say yeah limited edition it's a unique edition there's yeah, one ev- copy everyone if- is different and we're only going to do at most i think 10 and that's only if Ten people pick but, yeah, the really you, high rewards. You can get a copy of it on clear vinyl, see-through vinyl, to play on your record player, which will also contain a message on it recorded just for you. A special just for you message. Which is quite amazing. Oh, it's going to be so good. I'm actually, that's one of the things I'm going to I really hope at least one person picks one of those. <laughs> I really want to do it. So it's a Kickstarter campaign. We need to pay for, most of the budget is studio time and actors. Like, basically, we need to pay people. You know, there's no way around that. Uh, so you can find that on uh, Kickstarter, but you can also nightterrace.com, which is our, our website. Oh, it's raining here now. It's raining. That's what you can hear, lovely listener. Oh, you can say, so if you're not in Melbourne, this is what it's like being in Melbourne when Melbourne has decided to stop being horrendously hot yes. in summer. This is Melbourne summer. It's either volcanically hot or it's raining. Oh, oh. Yeah. Um, so, yes, yeah, so go to nightterrace.com. You'll find out more about how to pledge... Uh, so it's an eight-part series. It's basically a commercial half hour, which means the episodes will be anywhere between sort of twenty to twenty-four minutes long. But um, that's kind of around three and a half hours of listening pleasure. Yeah, it's going to be great. But because it's about a travelling house, and because also I mean, the thing to this project came out of you know we spent a year talking about Doctor Who, which we loved, and we loved working you know together as a team, and we kind of went, well, what can we do that's going to be a new project that sort of comes off that? And we yep. took a lot of what we learned, like we talked you know a lot about how the female leads are underrepresented in drama generally. Yeah, and particularly in, in genre shows, like sci-fi and fantasy shows. There's, I mean, if you, apart from things written by Joss Whedon, mm. uh, I can hardly think of any. But, yeah. um, I mean, there's been a few more in recent years, but certainly nothing like Doctor Who. And, and hence the fact we've got a female lead. Um, it's kind of great because she's grumpy, which I really love. It's yeah. like, yeah, it's, it's not, wow, we're travelling through time and space. It's, oh, bloody hell, they're travelling through time and space. Yeah, it's going to be fantastic. great. Yeah. Uh, oh, there's food coming towards Bender's. Food and rain, we've got everything here. Yeah, it's, it's a full cafe uh, experience. So if you've never been to a Melbourne cafe, you're experiencing it vicariously now. They are, I like to think, famous throughout the world. Uh, but that's just probably just because I like them so much, because I'm, you know... But I would say one of the other things we, we sort of were thinking about with Doctor Who is, of course, the, the idea of the, the, the travelling house, which I know you all thought we were ripping off Jumanji, but no, it's also been in, in Doctor Who. It's been The Wizard of Oz. It's a, it's a kind of... Yeah, it's an idea in in fantasy and science fiction. And I was talking to Mark Gatiss the other day. Of course you were, John. I know, but a name dropper. I was interviewing him. We're not friends. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I I think he'll be glad for that clarification. (laughs) Yes. 
Um, we were, he'd heard of Outland though, that was quite nice. Oh. Yeah. Um, I was interviewing him for DNA magazine, uh, and there's a little bit he said about, we were talking about the Wizard of Oz at one point, and, uh, and Doctor Who, and this is a quote which actually won't be in the article, so I just wanted to share this with you. Mark Gator said, he had a travelling house, that's everybody's favourite idea, isn't it? You want to have all the security of home, but go anywhere you like, like a gypsy caravan. Even when I was little, I used to think that's what I'd like. I was always frightened by the idea of leaving home one day, but if you could take your house with you, you'd have the best of both worlds. The TARDIS is their home, but they can go to the edge of the universe and back. And I was thinking about when I was a kid, growing up in the country, and I know you're a country boy as well, Ben. Yes. Um, I desperately wanted the TARDIS to turn up in my bedroom and take me away. I was, you know, I had that thing of, I didn't necessarily think of it home, I thought of it as a as an escape from home. It was, a, it was an escape pod. It was a way out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I, I used to... Did, did you ever have those? A little bit. I think. I don't think I ever... I don't know if I ever really thought about it happening for real, but I certainly, when I would play... Um, I used to always make a TARDIS out of Lego, because in those days you couldn't get actual Doctor Who toys. Mm-hmm. Um, or if you could, they were fabulously expensive to import from the UK and not very good. So um, I have to tell you, I made a Peter Davison action figure out of a C-3PO. No! How did you do that? I, I painted it with a little, just, just model, yeah, like little model paints, and I made him a coat out of Easter egg wrappers. Wow! <laughs> so he, he was a bit bling, you know. I mean, yeah, 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 of, yeah, yeah. He well, was very glam, Davison. Yes. Yeah, so. gold underneath. Yeah. So. Wow, that is, that is, Wow. Yeah, okay, I'm suitably impressed. See, there's still things I have to share with you. Yeah. <laughs> all right, all, well, a constant source of surprises, John, which is constant source. I, um, well, I mean, yeah, I used to make a little TARDIS out of Lego, though, and, and have the little Lego men. And then, but often then I would also make like other time machines, and it was just all about the travel and getting it out, mm-hmm. but always being able... The idea was always that you could come home, though, I think, for me. It was like I wanted to go on these adventures, but I kind of liked being at home because I was, I was very much a an indoor nerdy kid you know all my favourite things were watching Doctor Who and playing video games and reading books especially mm-hmm. reading books when I was younger so um, those things I, I didn't want to give those up but I did like the idea of being able to go on an adventure and then come back okay yeah yeah and in Doctor Who itself do you think because this is what I was thinking about is the TARDIS his home it changes a lot when, we, when you first brought up this topic I had thought about it and, and even when you first meet the Doctor and Susan they don't they don't really think of the ship as home. They think they always call it the ship for starters. And so, they say they're exiles. Yeah. And in the first episode. So they feel very much like they don't have a home. Mm-hmm. Um, and that you know, there's that famous speech and the doctor talks about perhaps going back there in that first episode. So perhaps we'll go back there one day and and uh, you think, Oh, he sounds quite wistful, like he really means it, like he'd like to go back there, but he can't. Which is still something that has not ever been fully explored, which is I'm fine with that. <laughs> like, we don't need to know, um, but it's yeah, it's it's a it's a very interesting relationship they have, not only with the TARDIS but also with Gallifrey because they and and, and they're also the personal home. But they don't and until you get to John Pertwee, he almost never tells you stories about his family or where he grew up or mm-hmm. or what his life was like at home. And he only ever talks about when he does talk about it the planet. And I mean, that would be like you know. If, we got on a spaceship and went to another planet and someone said, what's your home like? And you went, oh, it's this big, big blue and green things, lots of seas. Mm-hmm. Like, no, what about your home? Your home is not your planet that you lived on. Your home is, is the city, the town, the house that you lived in, the family that you lived with. So there's this really, yeah, there's this really sense that he doesn't have a home. He's just a drifter. Also in the Pertwee era, it occurred to me that they, they kind of go, I might be misremembering this, but in the time monster, I remember which, which one it is with time in the title, in the time monster, he... There's a bit where he's he's trapped outside the TARDIS and he's brought 
back inside it and the implication is almost because that's where he's naturally meant to be I think but then when he regenerates in Planet of the Spiders spoiler um, he's brought back the TARDIS brings him back to Unit HQ mm. and he says it brought me home yeah. which is really intriguing to say so what Unit HQ is your home well, or is it that the people around the Doctor are I think it's home? a bit of both and we talked about this in the Third Doctor Family episode he really does sort of lay down roots in a way that none of the other Doctors do in that he feels at home at Unit HQ he really enjoys the creature comforts of living there you never clear. It's never clear if he lives in the TARDIS or if he has a house somewhere. I always, it, it always made more sense to me that he had a house somewhere because he always in, treated in the, comics, the TARDIS. He has a cottage, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. In those Pertwee comics, cottage in Kent or something. He, well, he really treats the TARDIS like it's a car he's working on in the garage yeah. through that whole time. And he really wants it to work because he wants to, you know, bugger off. But because that's the weird thing is that if you mention the TARDIS is his home, as we kind of think it is, in the in the, in the Pertwee era when he's been exiled to Earth, he's got it there. But he's still angry. It's almost like he's saying that space is his home. In fact, you know, yeah. an absence of home is his home. And so to not have that is kind of quite frustrating. It's a thing that I've talked about before where Doctor Who is such a travelling narrative where you have the lead character who doesn't lay down roots for the most part and is always on a different adventure, meeting new people, which is why, you know, it's one of the reasons why I don't think romance involving the Doctor really works. He's never going to work out because he's always going to move on. It's like anyone who loves James Bond. It's never going to work out. He's always got to go on another mission somewhere. Uh, but... It's uh, yeah, it's it's this sort of wanderlust, really. That that's what he wants. But still, um, more, again, more than any doctor, the, the doctor's like, well, you know, I quite like it here, almost in spite of myself. And perhaps it's just because he's frustrated from going anywhere that he makes the best of a bad situation and starts to enjoy himself. But I think he really does consider, if not you know HQ, but certainly the earth and the people that he's with there as his home and indeed his family and that's where he would naturally want to go back to if he was in trouble. So it's more the people are the home than the physical I think location. So. Yeah and, and you know and it's the stories that he tells about Gallifrey because this is also the time when he starts to open up and talk about his past when he was growing up and the stories he tells about that are mostly about people. I mean he does reference you know the mountain behind the house where he grew up but it's not really about the house, or indeed the mountain. It's about, you know, the hermit that he met who lived on the mountain. Or later on when the Eighth Doctor's talking about his family, it's about his father. Um, and, and all those stories are about the people. And I think, you know, the people is what makes a home, really. And if we skip forward, because it feels definitely from the, say, maybe Tom Baker period onwards, the TARDIS is definitely his home. It feels much more focused. But then when we get to the new series, you have that kind of... It's an intriguing thing where the new series is trying to actually sort of sell the TARDIS as being a travelling companion. Yeah, like it's alive. It's yeah, and yeah, if it is the Doctor's wife, he lives inside it, which is kind of that is problematic. That is it's kind weird. of, yeah, a bit um, weird. Well, it's sort of, the, prior to that, that you had that whole idea where really it was sort of one of the Doctor's many eccentricities that he treats this fantastically advanced spaceship with a bit of the old, oh, she'll be all right kind of attitude that sailors have for their ships. Mm-hmm. And I think it was that kind of, well, how do you show affection and, and love for a conveyance where well, you treat it like a woman, in inverted commas, mm-hmm. which was the you know, fairly sexist tradition. <laughs> but um, that was one of his eccentricities. So he's this amazingly advanced alien with this amazing advanced alien spaceship, and yet he behaves like you know, or, or a sailor with a, of a ship, or indeed... Uh, a motoring enthusiast with his favourite car. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, he'll say, oh, he's a bit, con- you know, temperamental and bang it on the console and so on, but it's it's still a conveyance to him. Yeah. But you do get that gradually evolving feeling during that Tom Baker era 
that, which is odd because he visits Gallifrey more often than at any other time mm-hmm. during that sort of the seventies and early eighties. But it's um, that's Gallifrey's clearly not home. It's somewhere he has to go. It's his past. It's like having to go back to the village where you grew up. Yeah. And going, oh, this is still rubbish, isn't it? I don't <laughs> want to come back here. Um, and the TARDIS is his way to escape that, but it hasn't yet become really a home. And the new series has definitely made Gallifrey even stranger in that kind yeah. of, you know, much more an antagonistic response. Actually, that Christmas special, which I don't think we ever talked about. Because no, because it happened after the last episode. Yeah, so, you know, the Christmas special where, where Matt Smith um, regenerates uh, on Trends Law, there's, I know it's not a popular episode, generally, mm-hmm. um, and I, I don't think it works, but it's kind of full of, it's full of really interesting stuff that kind of should have worked, or maybe, in fact, it's full of stuff that should have worked in a short story, I think, yeah. in particular. The idea that the Doctor is forced to settle down on trends of law, mm-hmm. and he just dies of old age, which is, admittedly, dramatically, not very interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, from a narrative point of view, that's not terribly fascinating. Yeah, yeah, the Daleks just outlast him. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, he's virtually immortal, barring accidents, but, mm. you know, we'll just Wait. keep him there for four yeah. or five hundred years and he'll pass away. But it's interesting, that, because he definitely forms... Yeah, that's definitely the idea. He settles down. Mm. And in fact, in some ways, Trenzalore is shown as being much more of a home to him than anything else. Yeah, well, he seen. makes contacts with the locals. You know, he has a relationship with the kids. I mean, he also is clearly the mad old man who lives in the, you know, tower or mm. church or whatever that structure is that he lives in. Um, because he can't, you know, he starts not being able to remember the kids' names and things. But it's, yeah, he really does make a home for himself there. And there's other episodes in the new series too where he does settle down for at least a time. Like the lodger is, is a fantastic example where he just moves into you know Craig's house and he's like, "All right, gonna be a housemate now." And he acts all weird, but he does live there. Actually, Power of Three was an attempt to do that as well. Yeah, I hadn't really thought about that. So they do occasionally do these episodes, and it's just I don't know. I must admit, what I would really like to see, and I know the show can really never do this again now, just because the way TV's changed. But I would love to see, say, a series in which he is trapped in Victorian London. Yeah, when he loses yeah. the TARDIS and actually has to, yeah, settle yeah. down to a degree or... It's like, you know, you know they, they, they could do that. They could at least do it like as a mini-series, like they do a couple yeah. of specials where it happens. I, I mean, so. I think that would be quite interesting. But then, like, like the unit era, I'd love to see the idea of the Doctor kind of forced into this different, um, almost like into a different genre, you mm. know? It's almost like if he had to live in a police drama or, you know, he yeah. has to live in a, in a period drama for a year. It feels like it... I mean, I still, to be honest, I'm kind of surprised that never happened at least for, you know, half a dozen episodes during Russell T Davies' era when mm-hmm. he was so opposed to going off to, as he always termed it, Planet Zog anyway. Mm. Why wouldn't you do it? I mean, it gives you a good excuse not to be going there all the time. And you do see... I mean, you see kind of in a very tiny way with the amount of times that he returns back to, you know, Rose Tyler's estate mm. and you have two parties that are set in contemporary Earth, where he doesn't go anywhere, really. I mean, those things are sort of a bit more like that, but you never, you never quite get there. Yeah. Actually, while we're talking about Rose, because I wanted to talk about the companions as well, because yeah. it's interesting we go from that idea of, at the very beginning, the companions want to get home. I mean, well, certainly Ian and Barbara. They don't even want to be there, yeah, for the Ian, most part. Ian and Barbara definitely want to get home, uh, and then that's sort of a theme that goes on for a bit, and also for, for the majority of Doctor Who, both old and new, companions get returned to pretty much the point that they left. You know, yes. it, it may be three or four years later, it may be Scotland rather than Croydon, but you know, there's that sense of mm. they're returned, except these sort of blips, which are quite interesting, where in the Troughton era, which you mentioned before we started recording, there's definitely, actually even at the, the end of the 
the Hartnell era, you've got mm. things like uh, Vicky, you know, goes off in, in time. Stephen stays to help, uh, you know, help a, a planet in need. Mm. There's no particular reason to believe that Zoe or Jamie are going to end up where they're from. They do in the end, but that's kind of almost yeah. roundabout. Yeah. Uh, Victoria gets left in the future. Yeah, I think by choice. Yeah, yeah. But, but it's like, yeah, I'd like to live in, in the 1960s. And it's sort of like she's been modernised by her travels, mm. but now she's found a new home. But then that doesn't happen again until the late 70s when uh, Leela comes on board. It's going to be interesting that, that, you know, up until that point, there's a sense that everyone's going to get back to where they're from. And it's kind of fascinating that then we get these, these sort of blips where, where people can be, see, I want to say bigger than people can be, I don't know, this idea that... that that somehow, for most of the show, and particularly now, the idea that you will always be returned to where you came from is a little bit limiting to me. I like mm. that idea that, you know, that the people like Stephen or Nyssa or, you know, these characters, they're, they're going to go off and, and make the universe better. Yeah. Yeah, they're following the Doctor's example. What actually happens? This was terrible. I couldn't remember this morning. What actually, where did Rose end up in the end? I'd well, forgotten she, where she... Well, she ends up in the in the other universe. Yeah, but then she yeah. comes back for that... Oh, but she, series, but she's, she? she only visits back. Oh, okay. So she stays in the other universe yeah. with the, you know, the uh, Metacrisis Doctor. Okay, so she's still got her nuclear family home that's been created in the yeah. in the alternate universe. So yeah, she's somewhere else, but it's kind of the same. I it's, don't know. It's not, well, you know, she's sort of, sort of like she's. It's a bit fairy tale. You know, so she's made a wish and she's got a wish, which is to have her dad back. Okay. Um, and then she makes another wish and she gets a wish, which is to have her own doctor who will stay with her forever. Because I was thinking about yeah, the new series. So Rose pretty much yeah ends up. Well, yeah, that's with it. That's um, then uh, Donna goes back, but she'll fall over if she ever remembers the doctor. Uh, Martha ends up back where she she was at the beginning. Mm-hmm. When she's got more skills, but you know, she's, sort of, she's, yeah, she progresses. I mean, oh, yeah, no, but, the, but I mean, geographically and, and, and temporally, though, she's still yeah, that's in the true. same place. I think it's partly to do with the way that they set up the characters as having a grounding. So in the in the old series, most of the characters that you met, you didn't really know much about their home life. Their families are almost never mentioned, or their families are explicitly dead. Uh, so you know, people like Vicky, Tegan's you know aunt is dead. Yeah, this planet parents, been wiped yeah, out. This whole section of the galaxy is destroyed. Turlo's confusing. Adric's from another universe and doesn't know how to get back there, or if he really wants to. Yep. Um, and so, those are characters who don't want to go back to where they're from for yep. the most part. Or I mean, Tegan is the big exception in that she's obsessed with getting back to her job, which is fair enough. I mean, you know, if she's really worked all her life to be an air steward. Um, or a, a flight attendant, as we now say, then um, of course you want to get back and get onto that job, and it's not really the same being on the TARDIS as exciting as it might be. Mm-hmm. Um, although, can't imagine that being a flight attendant would be nearly as exciting a job after you've been to you know through space and time. Yeah, I mean, it's possible that Tegan's just got post-traumatic stress disorder. Oh, I the think it, by the end, she. The, the oh well, yeah, I was going to say by the end, clearly. <laughs> I from the but, beginning, but I get her answer has been killed at the very too. first, you know. Yeah, she's like, I guess I'll accept this crazy spaceship stuff, I'm sure. Um, and that reflects this changing attitude in the way this series views its you know, sort of accessory characters, is that as time goes on, they're like, well, we can't just have characters just 
accept this. We've got to mm-hmm. have a slightly more realistic approach. But we still never really know where they're from or what they're doing. I mean, Mel is a complete mystery. <laughs> we never find out, in, except in the books, exactly where she's from or what her deal is. Mm-hmm. And Ace is a, is a special case who really doesn't want to go home and, in fact, wanted to escape home so much she managed to accidentally, with the help of, you know, a godlike super being of evil, Actually, blow a hole in the universe. In Ace is, in time. some ways, almost the perfect companion. Oh, yeah, yeah. I totally agree. Because she wants to be out there doing this stuff, yeah. but she's got the skills he doesn't have. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And she wants to, and, and you've got that lovely mentor, sort of, you know, avuncular kind of mm. relationship between the two of them where they, they clearly care very much for each other and, and they're helping each other out. And then, But then when you get, to, once you get to the new series, every every companion character has got a whole family and a whole situation that's going on. I mean, even Amy, who starts out as an orphan because her parents have been vanished by the crack in space and time, mm-hmm. gets her family back. And then, and also makes a new one with Rory. And then we meet Rory's dad. I, mean, I don't know why they never bring back Amy's parents, but um, so they're they're about. It's all about home. And in fact, in the new series, they're the only ones who don't end up pretty much in a home situation. Oh, yeah, Amy and Rory are the only ones who actually get returned to somewhere different than they started. Don't yeah. They? Well, I mean, you could argue Rose is, is somewhere different, but really, it was never about her being uncomfortable with where she was. It was all about her being separated from the Doctor. I was going to say too that Dorothea. Chaplet, Dodo. Yeah, Dodo. Just thinking about yeah, people ending up in different places when they came from. I couldn't find the quote again, but one of the producers at the time, presumably John Wills or someone like that, um, and I think you can find this in one of the DVDs, he said this thing which I thought was just completely crazy, especially for someone producing a show about time travel, which was that originally Dorothea Chaplet in The Massacre, you know what I'm Yeah, she shows up at the end of The Massacre. Yeah. Um, also, no, but in the so Anna and Chaplet, the character in, in the massacre, oh, yeah. was meant to be the companion. They were talking about um, the companion, and this producer was saying that basically you couldn't have a character from the past become the companion because then that would take her out of time, and all the children she was going to have wouldn't be born, and that would affect the present day. And it was this oh. weird kind of. There are so many levels of weird. Like, partly, it's it's this. It's, it's not realising that the present is just the past of people in the future, for a start. Yeah, yeah. Secondly, the belief that all women are going to have babies, and you know, that's what they're for. Yeah. And thirdly, this kind of weirdly fatalistic belief that that's all set, and you can't change. So you can't still have a baby, but it's now 500 years in your personal... It's all like yeah. you can't move. It seems you can't it's even like, move it's, house. It's like being unable to move between classes, really. It's yeah, like, No, you can't come to the future. But even You'll suburbs. Be it's like now. being able to move between suburbs because you're yeah. meant to be having your child and that's all. <laughs> I just found it so strange. And that's why Dodo shows up at the very end of that story because she's presented as theoretically a descendant and, and because she's from the present. Yeah, it's okay can, if she does that. It was something... And I just thought that was such an odd... It's weird, isn't it? And I, I, I don't know whether that's a weird 60s belief, like you're saying about class and everything. You can't change, you can't move, you can't... Maybe it's... I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, uh, obviously we wouldn't agree with this now, but perhaps he was just thinking, but that's what it was like back in those days. Like, you only had certain expectations. You can't take someone out of that environment because they won't understand and they won't mm-hmm. be able to cope with it. Um, and, yeah, I think it would be really interesting if you did. I mean, so, the series does not have a great history with taking an historical character and making them consistently feel like they're from that yes. period like Jamie clearly becomes a swinging 60s lad about four stories in yeah, yeah. Um, and Victoria, knows how to inflate beach balls and things you know. <laughs> Victoria changes into that mini and has no problem with it which, which just seems really hard to believe yeah. coming from her cultural background yeah it seems impossible impossible um, <laughs> but um, yeah it's uh, 
it, it's it's interesting the way that those sort of attitudes to where you come from are portrayed differently. I mean, I'm talking about Jamie. He never, ever really seems to express a desire to go home until the mind robber, when he sees what he thinks is the moors of Scotland. He's mm. like, oh, it's my home. I want to go back there. And Zoe is the same. And particularly interesting for Zoe because she doesn't, she isn't at home when she joins the TARDIS crew. She's at work on a space station a long way from where she was born um, and grew up. And then in the mind robber again, she sees a vision of her home from her own time and goes, oh, it's my home. I'm going to go there. Mm. Um, it's the city. Yeah, the city. I love it. I love that bit because mm. it's like, oh, here's our glimpse of the weird future that's produced Zoe. This is yeah. cool. Uh, so it's, yeah, it's really fascinating that the old, old classic series characters almost never really consider home once. I mean, after you get past Ian and Barbara who are desperate to get home by any means necessary. Um, Dodo never seems to really... Care Dodo? I mean, but Dodo's weird already. She is weird. She's weird. She enters the TARDIS claiming that a small boy's been hit by a car and she's looking for a police box and then doesn't seem to care that they just leave the small boy behind. It's none of that makes sense. Yeah, let's leave her out. She's she's weird. Oh, you know what? Maybe we've we've had this. It was a theory before that you came up with that she gets killed by the 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 doctor. Maybe it's because he finds out she's a serial killer. She's been oh, murdering she small boys with her car. She, or maybe she pushes small boys into the way of, of, of traffic, and he knows that she'll be killing, you know, the yeah. next anti-Hitler. Yeah. So he's just like, oh, there you go, yeah, fan yeah. fiction people. Look <laughs> at that, Dodo's evil. Dodo's evil. Well, I think we should probably uh, wrap this up. We've we've just worked out that Dorothy is evil. Uh, that's where we got to, I think, in that. That's the conclusion. <laughs> do we want to... Do, can we say, should we say some closing words about Gallifrey, though? Because yeah, yeah. I think the Doctor's yeah. relationship to it is very interesting. Mm. So while he clearly thinks of the Times as home now, um, his home's been taken away, and then he's got this really complex relationship with it where he yearns for it, particularly now, after the 50th anniversary special, um, and it's sort of right there, sort of hovering on the edge of being accessible mm-hmm. after the Christmas special. But... Um, he also does has this really sort of ambivalent sort of attitude towards it in some ways, where it's like, well, yeah, it's my home and I miss it, but at the same time, it's full of all these guys who are going to come back and ruin the universe for everyone else. And I ran away from it, and I've been away from it for you know, thousands of years now. So it's, I don't know, does, did, would he consider Gallifrey home? Is it a bit like that thing of, of you know, in America, the threatening to move to Canada? You know, it's yeah. like when a, when a terrible government comes in. Oh, yeah. Or, here, or, or people, a lot of people when they say they're going to go to New, New Zealand. Zealand. Or yeah. Canada. Which a friend of mine is actually moving to New Zealand because of this government. Oh, like he's wow. genuinely carrying that through. Wow. Um, so, yeah, is it that sort of thing? Is it like, if we think of there being different regimes on Gallifrey, it also perhaps makes more sense to the history of it. But, you know, in some eras it was boring when he left. And yeah. now it's a bit evil. You yeah. know, it's... Yeah, and I mean, you kind of see some of the transition, I suppose, in some of the Gallifrey stories. Mm-hmm. Not that any of them are terribly believable transitions, but that's that's not the problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, well, that would make sense. It's like, yeah, I'm going to leave. But also I think perhaps it's more just that it's it's a lot of fun to be travelling around, mm. even if you intend to do it forever. But, but it's, also, it's a different thing to do that, knowing there's a home to go back to. Than, so many of us do leave and make our own home. Like, I, mean, I wouldn't yeah. say that, you know, Donnybrook in Western Australia is my home. No, yeah, no, more, my home. no more than I would say Ballina in New South Wales is exactly. my home. Exactly. Now you know. Melbourne is my home now. Yeah. Um, but it's nice to know. It's it's kind of... And it will, the memory of it and it, and being there when I grew up did suddenly shape who I am now. But yeah, it's not home anymore. Yeah. 
So, yeah, who knows? Moments where you make it. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes that's on a house that travels in space, like a night terrace. <laughs> nice. That's smooth, John. <laughs> yes. Well, we've been talking about home. Um, we've also inspired by night terrace, which uh, we hope that you'll support or at least have a look at and see if you like it. Uh, we should mention that even if you only want to sling us 10 bucks for the campaign, you can get the first couple of episodes as a tester That's to true. see if you're yeah. into it. Um, and if you do that, we'll give you a code so that you can buy the other episodes for only 15 bucks. So you're paying the same $25 price for the whole series as anyone who buys it uh, complete as part of the Kickstarter. Or so 25 will get you the full eight Or 25 episodes. will just get you the full episode straight up. Listen which... to the arc. Enjoy the, the, Enjoy the, the trip. Arc. And if it's super successful, maybe we'll come back and do another series. Before we're talking about the second season. We have, yeah, we've got all these ideas. It's really hard not to, isn't it? It is. get a good idea. That's always the curse, though. You really shouldn't, shouldn't, probably. No, because we might not get a second series and it'll be like, oh, no. But yeah, so go to. Might get cancelled halfway through. (laughs) Oh, wait, that can't happen to us. (laughs) Nightterrace.com. It's just.com, isn't it? Not.com.au. It's just.com, nightterrace.com, and that's two T's in the middle, nightterrace.com. And you'll find all the links to the Kickstarter campaign uh, so you can take part and hear this hilarious new audio comment. Yeah. Starring Susan from Neighbours in Space. She's got a name, John. It's Jackie Woodburn. <laughs> We're just doing all the same jokes from the Kickstarter video. Yeah. But you can go and see us do it live. And there's more jokes because there's more of us. So you should you should check out the video. So I guess that's it. Thank you for joining us here in this slightly loud cafe. We should also mention that uh, the, the Night Terrace will be recorded by David Ashton, so it'll sound way better than this. Way does. better than this. <laughs> much, much better. In a professional studio and everything, there'll be no background noise, except the ones we put in. Yeah, deliberate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so until next time we meet. Thank, thank you. you. It's, it's good. good. Keep, Keep warm. warm.